Some games have a theme, but don't really have a theme. Welcome to Tabletop Shop. Welcome back to the Tabletop Shop Podcast. Today on the pod, we're looking at an Uwe Rosenberg's Cave vs. Cave, followed up by a short list of games whose themes don't quite come through so well in their mechanisms. I am one of your co-hosts, Nate Clark, and as always, seated across the country from me, sometimes with some issues, is your other co-host, Mr. Cody Pennington. Turn it up! Christmas Jam. <laughs> Cody, it's, yeah, yeah. I know that we're recording this before Christmas, but it's being released after Christmas. So. Oh, dang it. Ah, I didn't think yeah, of man. that. Got to cut the whole thing. Scrap it. But I like your, your TSO reference. I dig it. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I have not listened to TSO for a long time. You listening? You listen to it this year? Is no. Is some part of your Christmas <laughs> cycle still? No? Okay. Oh, I just suddenly remembered that TSO is a thing, and it's like, eh. <laughs> You know, when like you grow up listening to a bunch of Christmas stuff, and like some of it's cheesy, yeah, it kind of just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I think mm, there was some yeah. TSO that I just got tired of. That's fair. Some of it's good, I think, though. Some of it. Some of it is good. good. All right, Cody, I got a question for you. I've it's been kind of, long awaiting. Kind of a two-part question, but I'm just going to start with: What haven't you been playing? What do you own that you haven't been playing? And so my two-parter for this is what has gone what is what is in your collection that's been that has not been played for a while that you're okay with that you're like nah whatever and what in your collection that has not been played in a while are you itching to get back to the table who let me look through the like 70 games in my list here <laughs> collection do you do you have yeah. Iki? is that what it's called Iki? That's, that feels no. weird to say. I don't think I've ever said that before. But I prefer not to that play that Jap- icky games. That Japanese themed game. Do you have that? I oh, I'm thinking of Gugong. You have Gugong. <laughs> oh yeah, I have Gugong. I've not played Gugong in a while. Only played it once. I, maybe I'll play it again someday. We'll see. Probably not. Um, It'll sit on Barrage. that shelf till it's sold. Yeah, Barrage has been sitting on the shelf for a long time. I need to play that again because it's dope. Mm-hmm. Um. Just looking, just looking down here. You know what? Dinosaur World. Dinosaur World, we pulled out and learned and played like half a round and then had to put it away. <laughs> You've never that played was a like, fold game? <laughs> no, that was like a couple months ago. That's right. You got that for me for my birthday. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't played a full game. <laughs> well, first world problems. Yeah. And let's also throw Raiders of the North Sea. Still haven't played a full game of that. <laughs> really? I've had okay. that for a while. Yeah. So what? But what's something that you haven't played that you're fine? Like you're like whatever. I don't really care. Um, Manhattan Project, Energy Empire specifically. Uh-huh. Uh, that that one. It's like I'm on the fence on getting rid of it. Kirsten likes it, so I mean that's that's obviously. So you'll, you'll probably trade it to me then. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> but I won't tell her. Then we'll find out later. Um. Yeah, it's, I don't know, I, I just need to play it again. It's just something about it that, like, doesn't grip me, but I can objectively understand that it's a good game. Well, Do you know what I mean? the theme's not that gripping, is it? 
Yeah, it's like energy. Yay. Yeah, that doesn't help. Yeah. I don't even have the energy to play this game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's talk yeah. about some new plays. Um, All right. Nothing. I have a few. You have nothing, Cody? I'll, I'll go first and I'll say I have no new plays. Uh, Although we played a game of Gloomhaven, which okay. of course I played Gloomhaven before, but you know, it's a scenario I haven't played before. Mm. So that counts, right? <laughs> You're going to mention it every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's all I got. Um, I played... Technically, I've actually played this before, but it was a couple years ago, and I didn't play a full game of it. So, just played Bonanza again. This is an old an old Uwe Rosenberg card game. Trading card game. Bean trading card game, uh, as it were. Okay. Um, kind of a... Like, you have, like, two... It's a, you have a hand of cards, and you can plant beans in front of you, um, but you can only plant from... Like, you can't rearrange your hand. It's one of those games. So you have to plant from the order that they're in your hand. But then you can also trade things from your hand to other people. You can, like, just give things to other people. Cards are flipped up from the middle, from the top stack that you can trade with other people. It's basically just a big trading game. And you're trying to plant. You're trying to collect sets and build on those sets and then harvest them. But you can only have two sets going at the same time. And so the more cards in your set, the more, like, points you'll get. Basically just a big competitive set collection card trading game. Kind of weird. I didn't love it, but it's it seems like a fine design. It's just kind of, I don't know, it feels dated too. I think it's from the 90s. So, yeah. Also played Alien Frontiers. You familiar with this at all? No, I've heard the name. I believe, I meant to, I meant to fact check this and I forgot. I believe Alien Frontiers might have been the first Kickstarter game. I could be wrong. Oh, really? Um, I believe it so this might is old, have then. been. It's from like 2010 or something. Um, but actually, it looks pretty good. Not going to lie. Um, and it, I, I don't want to say it was the first dice placement game because I have no idea. But I, it might have been also one of the first dice placement games, too. Um, mm-hmm. at, it's at, at the very least, it's definitely the oldest one I know about or have played. But basically, you are like, you're all competing to colonize a planet. And so there's all these like, spaceports around the planet that you can place your dice on you get there's a couple different resources one's more valuable than the other but you're using them both to to purchase cards and use cards but ultimately the goal is to build little little colonizing hubs on the planet and that part of the game is area control so the planet's divided up into like nine different sections and if you have the majority you win like a special power and you get a point you get a point for like every colonize colonizing hub Plus an extra point if you have the majority in a section. Plus you get like the special power from that section. Um, So the perimeter is like competitive dice placement. um, And then the center is like area control, basically. Um, They work pretty well together. It was kind of fun. Anna mopped the floor. I played it with a few people and Anna just destroyed us as she usually does. (laughs) Um, It was fun and it looked all right. Actually, the components were pretty decent. The dice were a bit ugly, but the... The little colonizing hubs were actually kind of nifty. They were like a little like plastic clear dome with like a little tiny, tiny little like city skyline inside of it. Surprisingly cool for a, a bit of an older game. Yeah. Um, so that was no, fun. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It looks pretty cool. It would, yeah. It's I mean it's 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 probably lighter weight even than it looks. But as all dice placement games, I think have a kind of special thinkiness to them. Um, yeah. So it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I also got another Suchi design to the table. Um, so this is Messina 1347. 
Um, this, I feel like, is not one of his more popular games, actually. Um, it's The theme is centered around the Black Plague and trying to kind of stop it or... It's, I mean, it focuses on a city called Messina, and you're, it's basically just a big, heavy Euro where you are... Actually, but, but the theme, actually, I feel like the theme integrates pretty well. You're like, you're going into the city with your workers, and you are kind of rescuing people from the city. And then those people that you rescue can do lots of different things on your player board. Um, they can... You can build workshops for them to go into and work in and create resources for you. Um or the, the best part is if they're sick, then they go into quarantine huts. Um, and then they basically have like this two round waiting period. And then they come out of the quarantine hut and they can be used on your player board. But you can upgrade your quarantine huts to also have them like produce things while they're in quarantine, which is kind of funny. Um, and then those workers go on to your player board. You're sick, but you're still going to do something. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. But then those little like worker pieces go onto your player board. And there's this whole like action kind of selection rondelle system almost a little bit where like there's a lot of different spaces those workers can fill and then you have like three overseers that like can move around that board and trigger different actions with them um so it's pretty cool there's some i guess not exploration it reminds me of expeditions in a way because the main board is like a hex grid and all the hexes have different actions and then the workers will kind of be randomly populated or the the little like worker tokens will be randomly populated onto those spaces and so will plague cubes and so you have to like burn the plague which is kind of like doing the vanquishing action and expeditions basically you like spend fire tokens to burn the plague and then you get a reward for it you know all this kind of stuff um and then you're like taking main actions on the board to collect resources so you can build huts and stuff for the citizens that you rescue um it's really convoluted. We've actually played it a couple times now, and there's so much. It's I mean, it has the typical Euro issue. I don't know if it's an issue, but the typical Euro syndrome of there's so much I want to do, and you just cannot do all of it. You probably couldn't even do half of it. And so it's just like really picking what to focus on is hard in this game. It's really hard because everything blends so well that you're really tempted to try and stretch out, try and spread yourself too thin because everything's kind of meshing a little bit. And you're like, oh, because if I did this, then I could do that maybe. But ah, I shouldn't mess with that because I'm not really focusing on it, you know. So it's got that typical issue. But it's fun. Hmm. I like it. The thing about Vladimir, dude, is he's such a great designer. Okay, let's just get on to the game of the week. You had nothing to contribute to this segment. Katie. I had nothing. Hey, what I will say is that I have a Vladimir Suchi game on pre-order, Evacuation, yeah. which sounds like it's to be a masterpiece. And I'm disappointed because on Game Nerds, it said the release date is November 30th, and it's still still listed as pre-order. It hasn't been released yet. Mm-hmm. Come on. I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> except that you might not see it for a while still. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. That happened to me with um, one of the Dune Imperium things. I don't know if it was... I remember that. Yeah. Because you pre-ordered it through a game store, right? I did. Well, that was, yeah, that was a that was a very annoying issue. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, I guess we should move on to our game of the week, Cody. Let's... It's been too long. All right, Cody, you must do this. You must do this thing. All right, game of the week time. 
Nate called it cave versus cave in the intro, but technically it's caverna ah. colon cave versus cave. So this would oh, be yeah. this would be in the caverna family then, right, Cody? Yeah, I guess it would. Here we are using the appropriate use Ooh. of. But family. do you think Agricola is in the in that family? Is it maybe called the Agricola family? Oh, probably not, because I think those are different enough games. I'm going to Agricola now. Maybe it's just uh, in the Rosenberg agriculture family. <laughs> yeah, planting with Uve. Well, through th- a series the, the of bean games. game I mentioned is also Rosenberg, so it's also. <laughs> Dang it, Uve. Like, get away from your farming roots. I'm just kidding. I respect your games. Even though Kirsten did not like Agricola so much that we ended up selling it. Anna, Anna hated that game with a passion. Really? She, that was one of the few games she walked away from. Like, She was like, I'm in a worse mood than when we started playing this game. <laughs> did she start in a bad mood? No, 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 no. She's just like, like it, playing the game put her in a worse mood than instead of like improving her mood like oh that was fun i enjoyed it it like yeah okay well that that's i mean that's a little bit sad but it it agricola seems to be a pretty divisive game if that's yeah. the case for both of our wives yeah but caverna cave versus cave here's a, a refreshing drink of water for those who are parched from the uve universe um <laughs> the thing is i haven't actually played caverna and i know that this is the the two-player variant i don't know if it can be called the two-player variant of Corona, i wonder it's pretty stripped down i think yeah i wonder how similar they really are because i haven't played caverna yeah. either but but it's you know it's a derivative so i guess it sort sure. of counts this is your minuscule uve rosenberg experience down into a two-player game so cave versus cave each player has their own personal board um you know uve style like agricola where you have a, a little grid where you can be placing buildings and different additions but in this case it's a cave that has sort of a an asymmetric structure that's filled with rubble and you're slowly well i guess it's not rubble it's, it's just it's, it's just un, <laughs> yeah it's un uh unexcavated cave so on your turn there's different actions you can take like agricola style where there's uh there's different action spaces that are kind of randomized according to the era, but as the eras advance, you get access to stronger actions that are available to everybody. So it's it's not really worker placement because you don't have workers. It's just action selection, really, or action action drafting. That's Would actually that be action drafting. Okay, you know, here's the thing, Cody. This 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 is something that I found interesting when I was kind of thinking about this game. What is this mechanism technically? Is it and how is it and how is it different from worker placement necessarily right because in a way isn't isn't worker placement just like competitive action selection it you know? kind of is um i feel like it's something where it can be it can be a little bit loosely defined cuz some things i mean that's a game is just taking concepts and then reskinning them with <laughs> yeah. you know th- thematicness right Theme? so yeah, yeah, theme, theme this. <laughs> In my mind, I think what more closely defines a worker placement is you have a pool of resources that you should get back each round in some way, or you'll get more. And you use those to claim spaces that are available every round to everybody. But if you claim something, someone else can't claim it that round. I think that, right, but I think that that is the same as if there were just multiple, lots of spots on a board. Well, okay, so like, 
uh, cave versus cave, for example. Like the only way that it, this isn't worker placement is that you're not actually physically placing workers, right? Yeah, you're, ta- you're, you're claiming actions and the other person can't claim it, right? And so instead of a placeholder, you're just moving the tile to signify that you're using it and somebody else can't, right? So arguably this could be a worker placement game. All you'd have to do is just use something Place to workers. represent like a meeple. Yeah. So this is a pseudo worker placement game then. What what in the Agricola style. The potential that worker placement games have is to have the workers have unique abilities and people being able to unlock more than other people, right? There's a lot more flexibility True. in doing different things if you actually have those workers, right? Whereas action selections it's a little bit harder to to make it more complex in that sense but yeah i guess that's i guess that's common at least you know viticulture and agricola you you can acquire more workers mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily have to do an imperiums the same way right or special workers hmm. or you can upgrade so, your lo- workers you know yeah but like lost ruins of arnak is worker placement but you you always just have two workers yeah yeah. So I I don't know. It's this isn't the worker placement discussion <laughs> podcast, Nate. This is the cave versus cave podcast. As I was saying, like twenty minutes ago, you excavate your cave and you make spaces where you can build new rooms. And the rooms that you can build there, and you you start with like one basic room. They give you actions or uh, sort of. They give you bonuses that can trigger through different scenarios in the game that will give you resources. You can then take those resources and purchase and build more room tiles and that's basically the whole game the room tiles will give you points at the end one of the resources is gold which is a wild but you also get like one point per gold so that's really the only other way to get points in this game that's cave versus cave that's cave versus cave i think like my first positive for this is that and i'll be quick because we kind of just talked about it but that actual mechanism of selecting actions i think is really cool Mm -hmm. Um, I like the kind of Agricola style and maybe also Caverna style. I don't know. But at least the Agricola style of there's going to be more actions every round and we're going to be introducing a new, better, much more powerful action every round as we progress through the game. I like that system a lot. Yeah, I like it too. It's something I've missed from Agricola. And I think for a two-player variant, Cave versus Cave does a really good job of incorporating that. It's just cool how you can slowly unlock more powerful actions later in the game yeah but they they appear sort of at random times but you if you've played the game enough you know what to expect like oh okay i need to wait because then there's going to be this final one that lets me both like excavate and build a room on the same turn and that's really powerful yeah it's cool yeah agricola is very much the same way it's like i know that such and such a card is going to either be in the first round of the fifth era or the second round of the fifth era. So I'm not going to do it in the last round of the fourth era or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, smart. Yeah. I am going to put this game into a little category that I am defining as small, rich games. This is something I think really over the past year, maybe over the course of 2023, that I've really come to like, and I've specifically been looking for games that in my mind fit into this category. So this would be like Seven Wonders Duel... Um, Acroteri is kind of like that. It's, it's a, a little bit, bit longer, perhaps. Yeah. Um, try, I'm trying to think of some others. There, there's others I've played. Um, basically games that fit in a small box for the most part. They're quick and easy to set up, but they offer a lot of depth. So it's a small, rich game. And I think K versus Cave definitely fits the bill. And I was very thrilled to find this. 
Um, I don't think I don't think this was a new game I had played this year, but I'm pretty sure it made my top ten games I had played last year. I don't really remember. So another thing, I don't know if that was was that a point or not, Cody. I don't really know what what that was. I was I was, I was sort of musing and trying to remember. <laughs> this this is I'm just gonna I'm gonna say this is number twenty six on my list. Okay. I know Kirsten doesn't like it as much, so we don't play it super frequently, but I think it's a magical game. Hmm. Magical. I don't know if I'd use that. Magical. Word. Your turn. Um one thing I appreciate about this, which is kind of funny, but I actually appreciate that the resources aren't too tight. I, I didn't feel like they were anyways. I felt like hmm. there were a lot of times where I guess in my head also comparing this to Agricola again, where like resources are super competitive and super tight. They felt it felt more bountiful in this game, which makes it a little bit less stressful. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely less punishing. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's what makes it a little yeah. bit more fun. Um, I like the function of excavating your cave to make space for new rooms. It's like one thing to just start with a blank slate like you have in Agricola, and then you can just start filling that grid with stuff but i like how you have to you have to take actions to remove and open up spaces and then you can fill those spaces with useful things and that's paired with the the room requirements different rooms that you want to build so there's like this center queue or center um market basically market yeah center market of rooms that everyone can draft from and there's only one copy of each room but each of them not only has a resource cost, but they have a, a wall requirement. So, for example, if you were to get like a, a one of them is like a, a cell or like a dungeon, you have to have an area with four like covered walls in order to build that. And so the, in, in your little grid, you can obviously there's corners of this little area. So if you're building like in the corner, you have two walls already built there, but then you can build more walls to satisfy requirements for rooms. All that to say you can excavate in a way that gives you access more easily to spaces that fit those wall requirements. And I just think that's pretty dope. I'm going to disagree on that, actually. I <gasps> think I think the wall requirements take away from the fluidity of the game. Hmm. I think it's I think it feels like a very extra thing that they it feels like something that was put in just to make things a little bit more difficult. And like maybe not the wall requirements in and of themselves, but the ability to build more walls I found also kind of just distracting in general. Yeah. Hmm. Um but I did it's like It's odd cuz if, if if you took that out of the game, that would drastically change the course of the game. It's a pretty big component. Hmm. Well, I've only played the game once, um, so maybe I That's don't have true. the most valid opinion. Um, I agree. I do. Of course you do. <laughs> I do also, as long as I disagree with you, you'll agree with me on that point. Um, sure. I do like the exploration part, though. That is very cool. All of these rooms basically starting face down, and you are taking actions to explore your map so that you can later build rooms but the things you explore go into that open market that either you or the other person can purchase um mm -hmm. and then there's even some resources underneath some things which is cool um that kind of exploration in general i think is is cool uh, like mechanically but also thematically works very well and makes sense yeah i've said enough good things about the game so i'm ready to start trashing it if me you too are. that's all i have all right so <laughs> as i was thinking about this 
and I, I don't actually have that many dislikes because again I, I like this game quite a bit but primarily the game doesn't necessarily reward you for everything you do and by that I mean it can be a little bit punishing if you get to the end of the game and maybe you have a bunch of resources of one type but all that's left is a couple rooms of very specific resource requirements. Or you've built an engine in such a way that you need resources that you don't have. I get that that can just be part of the strategy. But this feels like it tips a little more to the end of where you, you have to be careful with everything you're getting. Or you might burn yourself towards the end of the game. And I don't, I don't really like the, the slippery slope nature of that. Are you saying you feel like the game goes too long then? No, not too long. It's just... there. I feel like in most engine builders, you can pivot if you need to. And if you're coming up towards the end of the game, you can see like, ah, okay, I don't have much use for these resources, so I'm going to convert them or I'm going to do something and I'll still be able to get some points out of it. But cave versus cave... If you don't plan super well or you don't run your engine super well, it can come down to like, ah, if I just had one more resource of this, that's the difference of like building like an eight point room or not building it at all. And if I don't build it, there's nothing else I can mm. do with all these resources I've collected at the end. Mm. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah. One thing I would say that also bothers me about this is that I feel like and you might totally disagree on this, but I feel like there are too many different types of resources in the game. It, it, it's excessive, I think. There's at least, what, six, right? Including gold? Yeah, I think it might be exactly six. It feels a bit excessive to me, honestly. Now, like I said, I appreciate the fact that it feels like resources aren't that hard to get compared to some of his other games. But I felt like there were just too many and it, it seemed a bit unnecessary to have so many different resources. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but I think I actually agree. And that probably contributes to the point I was just describing. Yeah, right. Because uh, if you're spreading yourself out over six different resources, then there's a greater chance that you might fall one short on something because you have to focus on so many different types of resources. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that, that could be... If there's like a second edition of this game, that would be cool if they mm -hmm. just get rid of... Because there's like the... I, you don't even remember thematically what the resources are. There's like wheat and then there's like... Green wheat. Bar <laughs> barley, green wheat, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Just get rid of the green one. Just keep the white one or the yellow one. Yeah. Um, I only have one other dislike, which is... It kind of relates to the resources you're talking about, but I think it's mildly annoying just managing all of the resources you have. You have this little track mm. and all these little pieces that you're trying to fit on the little spaces of the track itself. It's just a little thing. It's just a physical aspect of the game, but it's mildly annoying. Yeah, there you go. That's fair. That's fair. Didn't bother me too much. What did bother me is the look of the game in general. Oh. It's just kind of drab, I think. It's, it's just not very attractive. And I feel like Uwe games in general are like this. Um, he, I don't know who does all the art. I know he does some of it actually, but a lot of these types of games from him just do not look good in my opinion. Um, and this one, this one very much with all the grays and browns and blacks and everything just kind of feels like washed. All the colors just kind of feel washed together together. I get that they're cave farmers. Like there's not a lot of joy in their lives. And that is, I feel like it's reflected <laughs> yeah. in the look of the You're game. You're farming in a place where there is no sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's ugly and 
it's ugly and unattractive, Cody. So, um, mm. but but the biggest thing for me is a general statement. Just kind of that I feel like nothing really interesting happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do like the action selection mechanism. I think that's good, but also it's more or less, you know, it feels like it's being taken from, you know, like Agricola or whatever. Um, but I do like that mechanism and I like the, the actions being added on. Um, but the game, like there's nothing, there's no exciting moments. It's just like either things work out and your engine kind of works and you're able to get the buildings you want and pay for things or it doesn't. And either you're like satisfied that things actually worked or you're just angry that things didn't. But there's, I feel like there are never any <laughs> moments where something great happens or like, yeah, it's kind of just like, it's just pain in a way, but not not in the Agricola sense where like the game's really tight and punishing. It's just like, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of joy in the game. Yeah. Hmm. So you're saying if you play this, you might come away in a worse mood than when you I, I, might, I might, I might, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I can see your point. Um, I don't think it, it bothers me nearly as much. I just enjoy sure. the overall experience of it. Uh, but I agree that it, there definitely could be... To me, to me, it's uh, an like expansion or something that fixes it. To me, it's like functional architecture. It's like he built something that works and does its job, but he didn't build something that people can really appreciate and get joy out of. Now, maybe that's just me, right? That's the way I view the game and when I play it, whatever. But that's what it feels like. It feels like here's this functioning game and it works. And that's it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I want to get Era 2, which is the expansion for this, mm -hmm. and see if that spices things up a bit. I remember that it adds a couple interesting things. It also adds like three more resources, oh, so perfect. that's the thing. Doesn't it add like donkeys um, or something? Mules? Oh, you know what? I think you're right. Like just one, though. Oh, or like what, a, a resource okay. of that. Yeah, oh, probably. <laughs> the mule, mule resource. For everybody. Yeah. So I, I hope to get that soon. It's been out of print in most of the places I've been looking, but at some point I'll get it and then, oh, you know, we'll do a podcast and it will be something new that I played and I'll talk about it and it'll be exciting. I'm sure. I look forward to it, Cody. Do you know what I'm looking forward to? Why don't you tell me? Our board banter. Board banter. Yeah. You want to yeah. tell the people about the banter? This, I believe, was your concept as a banter? Might have been. Might have been. Because we have a whole list and yeah, so maybe if it, if it did, it was a while ago that I thought of it. But basically, we're doing our, our top three games that have the worst theme integration where the mechanisms don't really reflect the theme all that well. There's kind of a disconnect between them. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird list. And you mentioned to me that you had a little trouble making it kind of and i and i did it too in a way like they were all I, I it required more thinking it required more like going through some games and thinking like okay what are the mechanisms in this game okay what is the theme really does that work does it make sense you know it was a bit strange yeah yeah i think part of it is that games you know in general they're not realistic like that's kind of the thing sure um but P putting that aside, there's definitely some games that do a worse job of integrating something that makes thematic sense with what you're doing in the game. And we're 
where this, in my opinion, is the worst is when a game claims that you're doing something. Like, it, it has an explanation for what the theme is, but then you play the game, you're like, no, that's not, no. Are you referring... Like, you, you could have put... You could put any theme on this, and that's not that's not what's happening. Are you referring to something in particular, or is that just a general statement? I'm curious. I am referring to one, which was my number one. Oh, okay. Well, of course. Why? Why would that was a dumb question on my part? <laughs> yeah, come on, dude. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, why, do, why don't I start with my number four, actually, Cody? Now, this is kind of an honorable mention that I wanted to put on the okay. wanted to put on. You this. had me panicking there for a sec. <laughs> for a second, I was like, we did three. <laughs> what are you talking about? No. Okay, so I almost put Scout on here because Scout has a circus theme, kind of. Um, but it's really just a, a trick-taking game. I did not put it on the list though, because actually, when I went to when I went to its page on PGG on BGG, I discovered two things. One, I discovered that the Scout with the circus theme is actually a reprint of the original game, which has no theme at all. It's just numbers. So I was like, okay, well then, I feel like I, I can't make the list anyways because the game was originally designed without a theme anyways. So that's fine. Okay. Um, but then also. Even the the circus themed one, if you look at the BGG page, there's no explanation or even mention of the theme whatsoever. It just mentions how the game functions. So I was like, all right, there's obviously just no theme at all. And so I guess I can't say that the mechanisms don't reflect the theme because there just isn't one. So I wanted to put it on my list, but I didn't. So instead, I'll do my number three, that's, I guess. That's, that's a cool story, bro. <laughs> You're not going to like my number three, actually, Cody. You're not going to like it. Um, oh really? Well, you mean I'm not going to like that it's on the list, or I'm just not going to like we, the game? You may not approve that it's on the list because actually we oh, might have talked dang. about this kind of last episode. So my number okay. three is Fantasy I'm a Realms. Now. It's Fantasy Realms because hmm. at the end of the day, it's just a hand management game, and basically, so the theme is that you're like recruiting. Not not even mercenaries, just like different random classes of creatures to build the most like formidable army. Um, but really, you just start with a hand, and then you're just exchanging cards. You're using drawing cards off the top of the deck, or you're exchanging cards with the the area in the middle, which is a very cool timer. But again, thematically makes no sense whatsoever. Like, what is this band of rejects that we're like exchanging cards from our hand from? And once there's ten, the game ends. It's like and, and then on top of that, the theme in itself is just, you know, typical fantasy. Um, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's like there's no there's no immersion whatsoever. I'm just reading the text and trying to make things click and trying to build the best hand, you know? I see where you're coming from, but I don't like that this is on the list. <laughs> and we, we did indeed talk about this last episode or there's the episode before, I forget. And, you know, it's it's a card game, so it's kind of to be expected that if there's only cards, it's hard to really integrate much more beyond that. You think but so? But to me, I think it... Th yeah, I, I think thematically it... Well, yeah, I mean, it depends. It depends on the card. It depends how immersive or extensive the game is. But I, I don't think it bothers me that much. I think the timer is just a necessary way to end the game. I mean, like, lots of games have rounds... It's like, well, why are we just playing like four rounds? Like, why, why can't we keep going? Like, does time just stop? Do the years end now? <laughs> you know? And I think me, the most thematic in integration of the cards is how they score off of each other and what their names. Like, if you have the dragon, 
you know, the dragon is going to burn up everything else, so he's going to negate all of your other cards. So you have to have something like a wizard that can, you know, tame and... Uh, what's, the, what's the word? Domesticate. Calm down oh, yeah, the dragon. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's cool. Soothe. Conciliate. Mm, okay. Anyway, things like that. Or if you have, like, a mountain, the mountain will still score because dragons like mountains and they <laughs> hang out on mountains and so forth. So <laughs> it's thematic, dude. But what you're talking about aren't mechanisms. You're talking about the so, theme alone. Hmm. I'm kind of wondering now if our lists are going to okay. line up super well. I, I just went with the top three games with worst theme integration i didn't well i mean to me that is a mechanism it, it's a scoring mechanism oh okay yeah maybe based off of each other so ha ha i win wait <laughs> <laughs> what's your number we ran three? out of rounds dude okay my number three hey I, i'm sorry to be slamming your pick you can have your pick I'll take i mean it. i will say that it's it's a dumb pick but i'll, I'll allow that it's there my number three I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this. I feel like you'll probably agree. King Domino. Take that, Bruno Catala. This is a fun, simple game that you made, but why on earth? What? Like, how does this work? <laughs> if, if, if we're building a kingdom, it's not like there's three or four kingdoms that are all bidding on a plot of land that they'll then unearth and move to their kingdom and arrange it in such a way like that's that's not how things work i'm gonna piggy it's not how castle building works i'm gonna piggyback cody because this is also my number two actually <gasps> okay <laughs> take it take it nate um specifically the draft like again we're like we're looking at like okay here this is the mechanism this is the theme and of course there has to be some grace given right um but it's like so there's just like there's a huge limited supply of random terrains that we're drafting and then creating kingdoms hmm? <laughs> like draft why like, huh? how are we draft why are we drafting <laughs> how are we drafting <laughs> whose idea was it to draft who's like who's running the draft who's i mean there's there's so much and again the game is great we both like the game it's very light but it's fun it's a fun puzzle i feel like the theme could have been they could they could have picked a better theme though honestly yeah. Where the assembly makes more sense, right? And the drafting. Sure. Now, I will say that, admittedly, all of this is dumb thematically. But I do appreciate that the game makes fun of itself. Like, they acknowledge that. So if you look at the cover of King Domino, sometimes in the game you can end up with, like, a void. Like, a single square that you can't put a domino in. Mm -hmm. And it, like, on the cover, if you look this up on BGG, I think you can just see it on the cover of the box. There's, like... Isn't there like a water falling through the hole? Or there's something? like a yeah, there's like a water spot, and then just a a chasm like next to it, and the water is just like spilling off yeah. the face of the earth. Yeah, so it's kind of fun. I wonder, have you? Did you before you made this? Did you actually look at the BGG page for this? Because I'm wondering what the um, I'm gonna look it up right now. King Domino 2016. Let's see here. You are a lord seeking new lands in which to expand your kingdom. You must explore all the lands, including wheat fields, lakes, and mountains, in order to spot the best plots while competing with other lords to acquire them first. 
but for some reason you can take that plot yeah, and right. put it anywhere you want <laughs> put it into your kingdom <laughs> in your <land>. yeah <laughs> like yeah. what doesn't work very well <laughs> no not for i mean yeah I, I see what they're going for but nah wait alternate names king domino xxl is there like a mega version of this sounds like it man that'd be pretty cool well maybe i should jump to my number two i guess so because that was also that one uh, was my number two yeah this is a game that i have trashed plenty over the course of our podcasting that i don't understand why it's so popular and i think it's dumb and i don't own it anymore because i got rid of it i'm I a man of my word i think i know where you're going with this this is it, it's it was even so popular they made another version of it oh, that i don't no. think is any different from from the first this is the crew <laughs> quest for planet nine what you're astronauts you have radios you don't have to use hand signals why are you taking tricks how does that what is that it's a trick-taking game the, the real question no the real question is why did they even bother but again maybe the I secondary question is would this game have sold as well if it had been themeless, right? <sighs> if it had just been numbers on cards, maybe it went to sold as well. Maybe it was just a marketing thing. And they're like, I don't care that this is going to show up on the tabletop shop top three games with worst theme integration. They're like, I think I'll absorb <laughs> the risk on this one and try and up the sales. <laughs> it does make me wonder, is it possible to make a trick-taking game where that mechanism thematically makes sense in any way? Hmm. Like, you might just kind of be shooting yourself in the foot at that point. Maybe if it's a game where people are playing a trick-taking game. Ooh, that's so meta. We should do that. You play too. as a character who's, like, playing a trick-taking game. You play... No, we'll make a game about players playing unthematic games. And there's a series of mini-games with all of our least favorite unthematic <laughs> games. <laughs> One of those is the crew. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, what's your number one? My number one. My number one. We were both really excited about this game. We were both really excited about it. It was really popular. I remember in particular that Tom Vassell really, really liked it. I think I have a guess. <laughs> you bought a copy Keep of going, it. Keep going, though. You bought a copy of I it. I did. Maybe yep. even on my recommendation. I'm not sure. Um, and Maybe. honestly, I think the game actually wasn't that bad. We only ever played it once. To my knowledge, you never played it again until you sold it. But yeah. Beyond the Sun, I yeah. actually would like to play again. I think that actually it was probably a pretty good design. I like the tech tree thing. However, as cool as the tech tree thing is, it is a tech tree. Like that is kind of the theme in a way. Now, the real theme is that you're like, Exploring, pan exploring planets and you're upgrading your technology so that you can explore better. I don't know. Um, and there is a tiny little portion of the game where you're moving dice around that represent ships. It's kind of stupid. Um, and th that's like a <laughs> tiny little section of the game. The majority of the game is this huge tech tree. Listen, very cool. The first game we played was rough. I would like to play it again. Very cool. But it's just a big tech tree. That, to me does not even you're like okay thematically we're like unlocking new technologies and using these to do things on that tiny little spaceboard with the cube the dice on it but to me it's just like we're just playing tech tree the game you know so sure yeah uh this didn't make my list obviously because i'll say my number one is not that 
I didn't think of this as an option, but it probably actually would be a, a decent a decent candidate. But I I as well miss this game. I want to play it again. <laughs> Used to own it, and I think primarily. So Kirsten does not like space or space themed things, and I really like space themed things. But this was space themed to a very drab mm. extent. It was just like, black and white. It kind of, well, it sort of looks like space, which I think is kind of cool. But I, I get how it's it's not particularly, um, I don't know, compelling, perhaps. And so she she just re- really didn't have much interest in playing it. And I didn't know if I was really going to actually pull it out any, any other time. So I just ended up selling it. But it is a game that I would like to play again yeah. someday. Maybe this will go on uh, Board Game Arena. Then we could give it a try. Yeah, yeah. It could be fun. Wait, maybe it is on Board Game Arena. <laughs> well, Cody, to... Um, to return the favor, I will say that I also didn't really think about um, the crew, and I would maybe bump off Fantasy Realms and put the crew on. Ah, okay. I'll allow it. I also have good news for you. Beyond the Sun is a premium game on Board Game Arena. Pros and cons to that statement, then, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's your number one, Cody? All right. My number one is a game that you have not played, a game I hope you never have to play, a game that I hope no one ever has to play. This is Neotopia. (laughs) I wondered, when you you said your intro earlier, I vaguely remembered you saying something kind of to the same effect in your Neotopia review, so. Yeah, not not very strong thematic ties. I mean, I just didn't like this game anyway. Like, it's not a super great game by itself. But on top of that, the thematic integration is just dumb. So it's supposed to be you are a an entrepreneur, like a visionary for the future. And there's this one cool new city where everyone's trying to work together, sort of. Not really, because it's competitive to make a city that is like symbiotic with nature and everything lives together in harmony and it's all so cool it's a futuristic city that also has plants in it because we don't have plants in modern cities right (laughs) and you're supposed to like as an entrepreneur build factories and buildings and sciencey things equally in all the districts so you can score points and how do you do that you get some circle discs you draft some circle discs of different colors that represent something from various places on the board. And then you can pay those circle discs to place them down on the board and satisfy us a card that has a certain combination of circle discs. I absolutely love the enthusiasm in which you like describe <laughs> just the absolute <laughs> themelessness that is in this game. <laughs> It is so dumb, dude. That's all I have to say. Go watch my speed review. That's funny. Do you still have this or do you already get rid of it? I have not been able to get rid of it yet. Because nobody wants it. <laughs> well, I don't know where, like, who would want this? I don't even want Facebook to go through the effort of trying to sell this. Facebook Marketplace, five bucks. Somebody will take it off your hands. Okay, I'll do that. On top of that, the rule book was bad. It didn't explain things very well. <laughs> Insult to injury. typos. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it was because they <laughs> so, had no thematic way to help assist, to assist in exactly. explaining the game, right? I mean, I think it was translated, so there is that. Oh dear, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> throw that on top of that. Oh, that's great. Well, that was a, a a decent list. Yeah, I think we we had some 
This this was almost almost a board ranter. You know, something to be said for this, Cody, is that at least there are games out there as awful as they are, like hamsters versus hippos, that had no chance of being on this list at least, right? You know, it's not like That's awful true. games will be on every single list of awful games. <sighs> I don't want to talk about it, give man. It, give it that at least. <laughs> <laughs> Except not. Like, that should have made the list. I think it's just, I don't even count that as a real game. So I think I just didn't think of it for the list. But this definitely would have been a runner-up or possibly made the list. Like, why, why do hamsters care about lily pad flowers? Like, that is not a native hamster environment thing. And why are hippos preying on these hamsters? I think that... And it said it said hamsters escaped a zoo enclosure. How many zoos have hamsters? Is that common? <laughs> That's a pet store. That would have been funnier. Hamsters escaped a pet store and made their way to a nearby lake with hippopotamuses in it. In America. Yes. Well, anyway, this is ending up to be a shorter episode because my timestamp is like 55 minutes right yeah. now, but we spent... I think like 10 minutes working out technical difficulties. Should we just talk about something for the people? Talk about something. Well, how about this, Cody? How about impromptu board banter prompt? You ready for this? Okay. What, what is, you got? What is, how do you define a game? Because what you just said that you almost don't count hamsters versus hippos as a game. I would say that I probably agree with you. It's more of a, activity i guess but then what's the difference and how do you actually define a game sure what i meant by that is i didn't you, you remember back in way brothers days and we would get um review copies of like very tiny games sent to us from people that were like trying to get the games yeah. published and they'd always be terrible yeah, i like i don't really them. count those as re real games it's not that they weren't games it's that it's like I, oh, I don't know, Did, like carrots. I don't know if we played carrots together, but I don't know if I even include carrots on a game that I have played. Maybe I did. Does that, does that kind of make sense? It's like if somebody, <laughs> if somebody made a prototype of a bad game and then they gave it to you and you played it, it's like, is this worthy of even being entered on the BGG system? So you're saying that it's a very, to you, it's very sub, kind of subjective, like based on how well the game was made how much thought was put into it because like we also received doomlings and say what you want about doomlings i think that counts yeah and that i mean doomlings is at least like rank 5000 on bgg <laughs> so i feel like that qualifies it right hmm i don't know what about um escalation remember escalation <laughs> would you that, count that as that a game dude i don't remember a thing about that game that thrift <laughs> okay. store find is like an 80s game some kind of weird yeah. abstract war game yeah i don't know I, don't, I cannot speak to that but in general i would say that a game has to have skill there has to be it's not a game if anybody can just win based off of luck so i would say that apples to apples is not a game I would say that hamsters versus hippos is not a game because if you, if you get unlucky, you lose, if you get lucky, you win. And that's all there is to it. And apples to apples is more or less the same thing. Um, so any game that falls into that category, any game where you can't get better by playing it. Like I, I just, to me, those are not games, you know? Hmm. 
I probably have to spend some time thinking about how I personally sure. would define it. It does remind me of a video I saw, though, from Vsauce. Have you seen much of Vsauce? I don't remember. Oh, okay. It's He's just a guy that like does thinky videos about concepts, and he does one called Why Do We Play Games? I'm looking at it right now on YouTube. And he actually breaks down someone else's definition of when something goes from being like an activity to a puzzle to a competition to a game like what what are all the elements required that make it because if you take like a rubik's cube it's not a game it's 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 just like a puzzle basically right but then once you start integrating um like a competitive nature with someone else then it's starting to become more of of a game and i forget what all this criteria is yeah and granted, that was just someone's definition. Like, I don't think that's the official definition, but I thought it was pretty, like, a compelling way to kind of break down and organize everything. Well, I guess as a basic as a basic defining attribute, somebody has to be able to win. So I would say to define a game, there has to, somebody has to be able to be, to uh, win, okay? Now, even if that's okay. cooperative and everybody wins or everybody loses, but if it's cooperative and the only option is that everyone wins and there's no way to lose, well, then that's not a game anymore. So somebody or somebodies has to be able to win. And then again, like I said before, there has to be, if, if we're competing to win, but everything that you do is completely luck-based, then it's still not a game to me. It's just, oh, again, okay. that's still just an, an activity. It's just like... So like shoots, shoots and ladders. Exactly. Shoots and ladders, Candyland. There's no decisions that you make in these games. And so therefore, I don't, I don't say that they're games. It's just like, well, it's, you know, it's just like, the magic eight ball. It's just like, well, let's just see what happens. That's an activity because you're not making yeah. any decisions. You're just starting a chain of events to see what happens. That's not a game. So maybe a game has to have an objective, you know, winning criteria. There has to be agreed upon rules that everyone operates within. Yeah. And there has to be an element of choice. Like well, you, you have agency in the but game. But not just an element of choice because... Hamsters versus hippos has an element of choice. However, you have no information whatsoever on which to make your choice. So it's still complete blind sure. luck, even though you're making, you know, in quotations, uh, technically you're making a, a decision. Point. There's no foundation for that decision because you have no information. Yeah. yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. Hmm. I mean, my instinct is to still say that technically hamsters versus hippos is a game. Because you, you can at least decide which lily pad to jump on and how long you want to stay there. It's just kind of a different but category, every, a push your luck. Okay, there. and I haven't played it. You know, I only know about it what you've told me. Is there any way to make informed decisions or is every decision you make just kind of arbitrary? Is there any way? Um, you do know how many hippos are like out there because it's like a five by five grid and i want to say at the f the first round like two of them are hippos so i suppose you could watch someone else land on a hippo and then be like ah now, well, now i hippos. have <laughs> do the math the ratio less hippos so it's gone down yeah mm. so maybe so it's almost i suppose there's some amount <laughs> okay <laughs> nearly a game nearly there in our impromptu board banter we have established that hamsters versus hippos is almost a game almost a game it is rank eighteen thousand. what what bgg rank does it something have to be in order to be a game nate oh, 
I, I when can. does it start? I, I would not say in order to be a game. I would say in order for me to look at it. I feel like even in the top 15,000, I'm willing to try. Really? Yeah. 15,000. Wow. Yeah. And I feel like there has to be a caveat because a game that just that just <laughs> came out. What? It's like maybe not 15. That's really high. Yeah, it's still pretty big. But here's the thing, Cody. Here's yeah. the thing. Let's fast Whoa. forward 100 years in the future. There's going to be a lot of games. Oh, dang. All right. Yeah, 100 years is a long there time. Are. There's going to be a lot of games that are in the top thousand now that wouldn't be a hundred years in the future. Okay. So you got to account mm. for that. Right. You know, dude, if we, if we lived in a world where Scythe was rank 1000 because there were 999 games better than Scythe, I, I wouldn't even care. I, I wouldn't care about trying to discuss what is a good game or not. I'd just be like, there are so many good games everywhere. But then perspective oh, no, changes. But, but then there'd be like 200,000 bad games, so never mind. <laughs> but perspective changes, right? So like a game that everybody thought was incredible back in like the early 90s may be nowhere to be found anymore in the top 5,000, right? Mm. Because people were not enlightened in a way, you know, to, yeah. to, the, to, the, to the degree that we are now, right? So people thought it was a good game then because they didn't know what good games would be now. And you could say the same thing about 50 years in the future, right? Scythe may almost objectively be not a good game anymore, 50 years in the future. Do you know what this makes me want to do? Make you want to do? Is we should have a board banter or a special episode or something where we do an official tabletop shop game prophecy <laughs> and we predict we predict like 10 years from now so we'll check back in we'll make up a follow-up episode 10 years after that episode and we'll try to say i i don't know exactly what our criteria what our prediction would be but it'd be like games that are still okay yeah. in the top 100 the or something in some way yeah yeah i like it i like it we'll have to workshop that'd be, that'd that a be little kind bit, of fun but that could be fun yeah let me know what your ideas are well, what should people remember, Cody? We, we filled enough time, so, and remember, if you live in a cave and you're competing with someone else who lives in a cave, just move into a house. That'll show them. Cody, welcome to the outro. I want to welcome you to this, to this warm little place where the episode peters out into the ether and we just, you and I, we sit here in front of this this warm crackling fire and we just remind the people listening to keep on listening not just to this episode cody but to all of the other episodes both past and future i mean listen all the way through get this up to 100 percent view duration and then take the next episode yeah